Watch this. Welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills, and today I'm joined by Bruce Fitzpatrick. Bruce, welcome. Howdy. How are you, my friend? I am thoroughly excited. Um, thoroughly excited. We are recording this merely minutes after the conclusion of the BMW PGA at Wentworth and the announcement of the European picks. So we've got a solidified European team for the Ryder Cup. It's it's, I suppose, to be expected. But Bruce, why don't you give us a little rundown of what's happened? Yeah, so um, we've just had the conclusion of the BMW at Wentworth, as you said, won by Billy Horschel. Uh, perhaps slightly ironic that it's been won by an American for the first time who's not even really been in the conversation of the, of the US Ryder Cup team selection. So maybe that doesn't bode also well for the, <laughs> for the Ryder Cup. Um, but no, fa- fantastic performance by Billy Ho um just a few hours ago and yeah we've got a solidified Ryder cup team so we've got john rahm tommy fleetwood tyrell hatton burned Wiesberger, who played his way in uh, on the european points list earlier today then on the world points list rory mcroy victor hovland paul casey matt fitzpatrick and lee westwood all confirmed and then shortly after the conclusion of the bmw Podrick Harrington announced his three wildcard picks of Sergio Garcia, Shane Lowry, and the postman, Ian Poulter. So uh, lots to unpick here, really, isn't there, Mills? I think we just got to get straight into it. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's an interesting one because, like you say, it was won by, by Billy Ho, who, who was brilliant. World ranking of 18, which was, if he was a European, he would be officially the third best player in our team <laughs> and and he can't he did well seemingly didn't even get a look in apparently didn't even get a phone call from Stricker um to say why you're not selected so tough call on, on Billy um very very good final day at Wentworth very very good um competition Afi Barnrat went out shot lights out and then decided to um just throw the anchor out in 17 in the middle from the middle of the fairway <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Many people who throw the anchor out and still shoot eight under, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair assessment, isn't it? He he did play the difficult stretch at Wentworth, like so much better than anyone else. And as you say, normally you'd expect people to pick up shots over those closing two par fives, but yeah, I mean, sat on 19 under in the middle of the 17th fairway. Um, you you would expect a professional golfer from the middle of the 17th fairway from 200 yards out with, you know, eight shots left on the card to pick up one or two. Um, but, you know, he, he was, he regression to, to the mean and all that stuff. He played outrageously <laughs> yeah. good golf. You know, he was seven birdies, one eagle, and then he's picked up a bogey on the way in. It's a shame he played great golf, but... Um, it was a very, very good, it was an exciting tournament, lots and lots of people involved, and it's left us with, I mean, you've got to feel for poor, let's start with it, you've got to feel for poor old Justin Rose, who yeah. almost canned it for Albatross on 18, must have missed it by about a foot, for Albatross on 18, comes in, clubhouse leader, like 17 under or something like that. 16, um, yeah, he shot 7 under, 16 yeah. under. And... Uh, you know, did everything he 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 could do really, apart from go out and win the win the competition. But 
I do feel, I feel for Justin Rose, it's probably just a little, little too late in terms of form for the Ryder Cup. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I think the first thing to get into really, as far as this can, this discussion is concerned, probably go back to the beginning of the week and just talk about some of the controversy, consternation, however you want to phrase it, around the BMW PGA at Wentworth just being so heavily weighted in the qualification for the Ryder Cup team. Mm. I think, you know, Westwood made some made some comments about it, um, not just today in his interview, but I think earlier in the week when he was just saying, look, this isn't actually falling at the best time. It's two weeks out from the event. You, you probably want that time to just recover and, um, you know, prepare for what is a very, very draining event in the, in the Ryder cup. And yet a lot of European players have, have quite rightly, I guess, gone and, and, and supported the European tours flagship event. And also very mindful of the fact that, um, for some players like Tommy Fleetwood, they probably want to play their way into some better form from what they've, they've been displaying earlier in the season. But for others such as, you know, Bern Wiesberger, Westwood, Lowry, Rose, a chance to really pick up some points and, and sort of stake their claim. I mean, in, in, in Wiesberger's case, you know, what has he ranked around 60th in the world, but as a result of his showing, you know, he's made, made automatic qualification there. So it's, uh, I think that in itself is, is a, it's just an interesting one really that this event is not only so close to the Ryder Cup, but it's also been so heavily weighted. Yeah, I mean, apparently that you know they were harping on about it with Sky that that Harrington wanted this to be so heavily weighted so that it would it would encourage the stress and the pressure and the ability to 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 perform under pressure and all the things mm-hmm. that you need for the Ryder Cup. I think playing a tournament two weeks prior to a Ryder Cup is only someone in someone in the mid thirties would worry about. I don't think Victor Hovland would have been too concerned about playing a tournament two weeks before the Ryder Cup. Having said that, for Westwood, there's the added stress that he, he was in a position where he may have be, been played out of automatic selection. So there's a lot of stress on him to go out mm. there and perform. And Yeah, he, I mean... Yeah, he, didn't, he seemed to show it, actually, as well. I didn't yeah. think I'd find myself saying this. I don't know if you caught much of the early... Because it was a lot earlier, obviously, he wasn't teeing off that close mm. to the lead. He was on the featured groups, I think, on Sky, um, sort of mid to late morning. And for a guy who has, you know, really had been in a rich vein of form earlier in the year and even last year and talked about being kind of freed up, he's found love again. You know, he's obviously got a great thing going with with his new wife, Helen Story, on the bag as well as his caddy. And he just seems to have a very carefree attitude and the putting's, you know, gotten a little little bit better as well as a result. And he seems to be playing such great golf. And yet... um, he seemed tense. Like he seemed really, really, um, at, you know, out of sorts when he was playing, just whack, you know, stepping up to the ball, whacking it without really giving it too much thought, um, getting angry at himself, which you don't normally tend to see. And I thought that was, that was surprising, um, given his pedigree and like how, how experienced he is not only just winning tour events and, and playing in events at this level, but also having played in whatever it is, 10 Ryder Cups previously. Um, You could definitely, you could definitely sort of sense that it was getting to him and and, and he had his mind on other things um, during the final round. Yeah. I mean, he's played pretty well this week to give him all the credit, you know, he's at a 70, a 70, a 71. 
And he started off pretty hot today, birdie in the first two, but he mm. just kind of lost his head. Like you said, he just, just felt like he was, it felt like he was stressed. It did, yeah. it did seem like he was stressed, like he knew he had to go out there and perform. Um, and perhaps, like you say, he just didn't want to be there. Perhaps he, he wanted to be, to be resting and recuperating before the Ryder Cup. But yeah, I mean, he's got through, um, he's got through by right, which is, you know, what everybody wants. They don't want to be relying on a captain's pick. What's your um, take on the captain's picks? We've got Sergio, Poulter and Lowry. What's your, what's your take on the, uh, the picks? Yeah, I think those are the right picks. Yeah. Um, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I think Sergio, he's in good form. Fantastic Ryder Cup record. Like he is, he is trending in the right direction. Um, Poulter, likewise, you know, he's got a tremendous Ryder Cup record. He's played okay this year, not great. Um, and then Shane Lowry's probably been in the best form of, of all three of the captain's picks. You know, major champion. He's played well this week too. He is certainly trending in the right direction. I do think those three are all deserving of a place over Justin Rose. And, you know, something against Rose. He's obviously played an unbelievable final round today. He has just had a pretty poor year, a couple of years. And um, I just, I just don't think you could pick him on the basis of, of one performance alone, really. Um, as for, I think, you know, the, the problem with Justin Rose really is I, I would, I would say that he shades it over, a couple of other people who've maybe automatically qualified. And, yeah. and that I think what the, the, the captain's picks have revealed really is just a bigger weakness in um, the European selection criteria. Generally, I think the first thing to mention is, I mean, guys like Tommy Fleetwood and, and Hatton. Okay. You know, it, they've, they've not been trending in the right direction over the last year or so. And yet they've made it quite comfortably on the European points list. Um, you know, Fleetwood, it's nice to see him with a return to form. I think he played a pretty solid round today. Um, also finished second in the Italian open last week, I think. So yeah, it's good that he's trending in the right direction. Hatton seems to have hung around from, you know, the form he was displaying at the start of 2020 when he won the Arnold Palmer and he, I think he won in Dubai earlier this year too. So again, it's just like, <sighs> There's not loads of comfort to be drawn from the way that, that he's necessarily been playing. Um, and then Wiesberger, like, okay, yeah, he's gone out and, and qualified on his own, off his own bat by, by playing really well in the BMW. But I hate to say it, under under pressure, I mean, his round looks like one of the weakest amongst the leaders on the final round. I, should, I think he shot even par. And, and having been very, very close to the re lead and having a chance to go out and win the tournament outright, like he's, he's not really stepped up to the plate and, and gone and shot a great round, which I think a lot of, you know, J Justin Rose has certainly done, um, you know, Lowry, Fleetwood, a lot of the others have played pretty solidly and it just feels like Wiesberger's kind of just trod water really. Yeah. What I would say about Wiesberger though is on the Thursday where it was all, the all the pressure in the world was on. All you got to do is make it. Pretty much all he had to do was finish in the top 50. Finish in the top 50 in the Ryder Cup. And he knew that going out there. And, and he, after six holes, he's three over. I mean, mm. that's a kind of a tough position to be in. And to finish that final round one under, um, you know, right the ship and then, and then shoot a five under on the, on the Friday. I think for me, shows that he has at least got a bit of grit and he's going to go out there and get mm. down under pressure because he had to perform 
he started badly and he still went out and performed. So I, I like that. I, I'm completely with you in terms of if Wiesberger didn't qualify automatically, would he have gotten the European team? Probably not, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think they would have gone with Rose. I mean, Bob Mack is, is higher than him in the world rankings. You've mm. got a few other Europeans that sit comfortably above above Bernd Wiesberger on the world rankings. Um, so I suppose the European team is in a bit of a tricky situation because their, their selection criteria is based around, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's based around trying to prop up the European tour and make sure these players come and play in the European tour. It's almost like yeah. they, they haven't quite got the guts to say, all of our picks are going to be from the European tour. So what we'll do is we'll take the top five sort of world players that we've got because they might play in America, but we need some from the European tour. And then you end up with a position that you don't have many captain's picks available to you. And because you're in that position, then, then you're going to be faced with possibly some people that have made it in by merit that perhaps shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. By, by merit sort of in quotation marks. Yeah. I think, Look, I mean, Bird Wiesberger, he's he's definitely been a kind of really stalwart figure on the European tour this season and even in previous seasons. And um I just I just I just am a little bit concerned that he's not really proved it on the biggest stage yet, at the risk of sounding like Paul Azinger. <laughs> um I just no, I genuinely don't feel like he's he's proved it on the biggest stage yet. And there's just yeah. a couple of moments of concern, like, you know, the Amiga European Masters a few weeks back when he was had the lead going down the last, ended up finishing second. You know, I'm looking at his form in the majors, tied 59th in the Open, miscut at the US Open, miscut at the PGA, tied 40th at the Masters. You know, I just, I don't know if I've, if there's much sort of historic evidence really of him playing well in the biggest on the biggest stage and, and the Ryder cup is probably the biggest stage and the most competitive and stressful, yeah. um, professional golf event that any of these guys will play in. So yeah, I mean, I, that's I, just I wanna, my two penneth. Yeah. I want to be proved wrong. I, you know, so badly. I want the Europeans to go out there and I want, I want these burger to get five points and it'll be brilliant. Um, but it just, it just, you know, it, you do feel, you do feel for the players that haven't made it such as, I mean, just just the people: Rose, Perez, Bob Mack, Alex Noren. They're all above Wiesberger on the world ranking. Yeah, um, and yeah, as as long as he goes out and performs, no one's going to question anything. Every, every, no one's going to question anything as long as it gets done. What do you think? What's your take on the uh, the US picks? We haven't uh, we haven't managed to talk about these because they were announced last week. Yeah, well, it's worth, for the sake of completeness, isn't it, going over those two. Um, different selection criteria, isn't it, over there? So six and six. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's six and six. So the automatic qualifiers uh, in alphabetical order were Cantlay, DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, and Justin Thomas. And mm. then the captain's picks were Daniel Berger, Harris English, Tony Finau, Xander Schauffele, Scotty Scheffler, and Jordan Spieth. Um, of the picks, just the picks alone, the average world ranking of the European picks was 44. The average ranking of the US picks was 13. I mean, I mean yeah. The, uh, the average, yeah, 
you know, taking that as it is, the, the average world ranking of the picks would be the second best player we have. You know, it's just like... That is really tough to, to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on paper, we always say this, it's it's obviously a team game. It's not done on paper. On paper, it's, it's, it's looking like it's going to be tough. Oh, yeah, on paper, it looks like an absolute murdering whitewash, doesn't it? I mean, you run out of words to describe it. Um, John Rami's the best player in the world right now. Mm. Um, and Rory McIlroy is Rory McIlroy. Mm. Um, but beyond that, like, I don't, I don't know if there's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just it's just pretty glaring, isn't it? When you it's, look at it's, the it's, run of form and and the world rankings that obviously reflect you, you, that. You can imagine the Americans would look at the European team and say, okay, there's there's like maybe like you said, there's two guys that I possibly don't want to play. The rest, mm. the rest, I'm I'm happy with. Um, and you know that's that that's not a position where I'd be in. The 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 notable omission from the U.S. team, of course, is Patrick Reed. Uh, yeah. I think the victim of. Uh, we need to linger on this a little bit, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I think a victim of the bilateral pneumonia, possibly. Um, and the fact that nobody likes him. Mm. Those two things combined has basically sealed his Yeah, back. but in fairness to Patrick, you know, he's clearly, he's clearly shaken off that old image of being slightly petulant and uh, a little bit childish and, and has really shown that he's improved and developed as an individual and matured by going and liking tweets that were very disparaging of Steve Stricker and calling him a coward. So, I mean, fair play to the guy, you know, he's really, he's Most really helped growth. his case. Yeah. Yeah. He's really helped his case. <laughs> Shocking though, isn't it? When you look at it and you just think, uh, and and you know what? Maybe this will end up being the story of of the Ryder Cup in twenty twenty one. Is we've obviously had, you know, maybe a year. Has it been that long? Maybe it's been longer. Of the kind of Bryson Brooksy chat, we've had Patrick Reed come out and just sort of go nuts at, at, at Steve Stricker. Um, and may, maybe it'll just be a tale of shocking. Spree decor and, and and team morale in the US team, and somehow the the Europeans will pull off an upset. But uh, it just seems too ridiculous to to even contemplate at the moment, doesn't it? I mean, it is pretty much the only thing that we 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 have going for us is that mm. we are we're gonna be we're hundred percent gonna be a more solidified team. That there is certainly in America that would seem to be from the outside looking in. A uh, team full of individuals, mm. um, and that can work in in four ball, better ball, p- possibly. Um, you know, you still need to have communication, dovetail all that stuff, and but it doesn't work in foursomes. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of teams that they put together uh, in this Ryder Cup and and who they'll mm. pair with who. Um, the one thing the Europeans do have uh, quite considerably is experience. Um, the Americans have six rookies, where the Europeans only have three. And um, of the Americans, the, the most Ryder Cups is Dustin Johnson with four. Kepka and Spieth have had three. And then you've only got Finau, DeChambeau, and Justin Thomas that have, have had one. The rest have had none. So there's not a huge amount of experience there when you compare that to the European team, where mm. Westwood's got ten. Sergio, nine, Poulter, six, McElroy, five, Casey, four. So we've got a lot more experience, a lot mm. fewer rookies. So 
possibly that might be something that helps us. Yeah, I think that could. Uh, yeah, actually, you make me feel <clears throat> immeasurably better about Europe's chances <laughs> by just saying that, Tom. So thank you for actually doing some research for this pod, whereas clearly I've been lacking. But no, that is actually um, a really, really good point to make because foursomes and just match play golf in general are mental formats. And it's just something that these guys don't play. I mean, they play the Dell, don't they? The, w, yeah. the WGC Dell they, they, once a year. That is literally it. And it's it's there's so little on the line at the Dell. It's just like everyone's like fist bumping mm. and drinking beers while they play. It's like it's just it's a complete like just have yeah. a good time competition. So yeah, whether they're if you not, if you don't play a huge amount of foursomes and you've not been experienced at the Ryder Cup, perhaps we've got the edge in terms of in terms of experience. Yeah, and I think what also plays into the European team's hands is that with the exception of maybe Wiesberger, they've they've all really played together on the PGA Tour, certainly since COVID set in, and they've played predominantly a PGA Tour schedule. And I wonder whether there's just a sense of like the traveling Europeans really who are mm. who are, you know, spending a lot of time in America and probably spending a lot of time together out there. But, you know, Poulter has obviously played the, predominantly the PGA Tour for much of his career, as has Casey. Um, Lowry spent increasingly amount, uh, an increasing amount of time out there. So has Garcia since he's been married and, and, and had a kid um, or kids. Um, Westwood has obviously been based out there for large chunks of this year. So has Matt Fitzpatrick, who, you know, made it into the playoffs with the Northern Trust. Hovland, basically a naturalized U.S. kind of citizen, uh, having gone to college out there, as is McElroy, who's, who's, who's obviously played predominantly the PGA Tour for the last four or five years, I'm guessing. So... Um, you know, I wonder whether that that sense of of kind of team morale, team bondings, maybe already started to take shape. And there certainly hasn't been any anything like the controversy or, or speculation mm. about issues in the team room that that we've seen with the American team, with the likes of Kepka uh, and Deshambo. So, mm. and and even actually, I mean, someone that we didn't we we, we touched on a couple of weeks ago, but Cantley when he won um, the BMW. Um, in the playoff over DeChambeau, like just didn't look like a great vibe there either. So yeah, we didn't really touch on this a huge amount. I mean, I'm not sure how, how good a vibe you can get when you're trying to take someone down on the 25th hole of the final round. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they did certainly didn't seem, I mean, you just get the impression that nobody likes DeChambeau really, don't you? And it's, it's like, it's like the world against DeChambeau and you get the impression DeChambeau likes that, you know, mm. he likes being, the villain, the pantomime villain, and um, and going out there and taking on the world on his own. In terms of the the Ryder Cup, we're at Whistling Straits. What do you know about Whistling Straits? And is there anything we, any hope we can glean from the course itself? Yeah, well, I think we last saw it on our screens in 2015 when Jason Day held off Spieth to win his uh, first major or only major. Um, High scoring, I'm pretty sure he shot 20 under, maybe broke the 20 under mark for four rounds, uh, which stood as a record until Stenson topped it at Troon the following year. Um, and then it was also the site of the PGA in 2010 where Keimer won his first major, beat Bubba Watson in the playoff. Um, so it's, yeah, I guess if there is such a thing as a typical PGA championship venue, um, that's, that's kind of the one. Um, mm. I guess, you know, 
there could be the potential for some interesting shot making with wind and playing sort of on the coast and, and the kind of figure of eight routing that you've got for both the back, like the out outward and inward nines. So, um, you know, again, maybe that plays into the sort of European minds, not so much McElroy's, but certainly someone like Shane Lowry, who is kind of known as a bit yeah. of a shot maker and someone who's got, you know, really good ball control moving it different ways. Um, and yeah, I guess just to not to labor the, the, the point that I made earlier about the European team, having spent a lot of time on the PGA tour circuit over the last 18 months. Again, I think that is beneficial in a situation like this. Okay. Like, you know, the European team's got a proven pedigree, um, on home soil. Uh, the last time we went out to the States in 2016, I think it was at Hazel team. We got absolutely mashed. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's probably it a, a good thing. Yeah. It's probably a good thing that we've got, you know, we've had some exposure Europeans, I should say, I'm talking about it as if I'm in the team room saying we, but, um, it's, it's probably, it's a, you know, it's a good thing that the, the European team have had some exposure to this style of golf over the last 18 months or so and playing it with some kind of regularity. Mm. And they do say that whistling straights is probably the closest to, you know, like a British links that, that you can get. So, uh, perhaps there'll, there'll be a tiny bit of edge there, but who knows? It's all going to lead to some fascinating, stories yeah. and it's all going to play out in the next few weeks and i mean i don't know why just watching the last day of the of the, the bmw pga and and seeing podrick harron make his picks and i i wasn't excited i think because there's always something else but now i'm just excited i just can't wait for this to roll mm. in now and uh and for it to get stuck in i'm really i'm really excited about this now yeah yeah it's been far too long hasn't it you know, you feel you really feel like we've we have missed the year of the Ryder Cup, and uh, yeah, it's just team sport, isn't it? It's a brilliant, brilliant opportunity to just get behind the, you know, the the, I, the, 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 the team feel. And like I said to to Sam, and, and when we did the the roundup of of the FedEx, it's like, well, we did the roundup of the FedEx, the same pod as the Solheim, and the Solheim was so much better than the FedEx mm. because it's. Yeah players playing for something other than themselves and you know i the reason i enjoyed the bmw pga this week is because they weren't, weren't playing for money they were playing for the ability to get into this team they were really battling and grinding for it and you know billy horschel was grinding to stick his middle finger up to stricker and it was just all it's all fascinating and, and yeah I'm, i am ready i'm pumped I'm, I'm i'm ready to go so well just to linger on that just for a moment longer the 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 American team, obviously, we <laughs> it feels a little bit like old news because it was a couple of weeks ago. But it is interesting, as you say, that that Horschel maybe was playing with a little bit of fire in the belly there to kind of show to Steve Stricker that he was at least deserving of a phone call. Um, and even you know we, we we didn't talk about it, but Kevin Nas' performance at the Tour Championship, like he would have, mm. you know, he probably would have. I think him and Ram were maybe tied on the lowest scores for the week if yeah. you just took that without the 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 sort of starting advantage that the likes of Cantley and people who finished higher up the FedEx points list had, you know, Kevin Nars probably played the best golf that week. Um, again, he's not in the team. Is there an argument for saying that there needs to be a bit of a middle ground between the three wildcard picks that Padraig Harrington had and the six that Steve Stricker had? Um, it's just, it's just fascinating to see those who miss out, those who make it, how it all stacks up. And yeah, I think it's all set for, um, a, a thrilling week at Whistling Straits. One final honourable mention. 
this is the first time in a since when Tom that uh, the US team has been without either Mickelson or Tiger Woods. Wow. Um, 1999. Oh, mate, come on. Tiger Woods won the Masters in 1997. That was yeah, when he said, he, hello he, world. But he, but he might have then not got picked in 97. Might have been, no, wouldn't it? it would have, the Masters would have been before that. Yeah, okay. Okay, so 1995 then. No, was he in Yeah, well, Phil was on the scene a couple of years ahead of Tiger, so it was actually 1993. Oh. Is the last time neither Mickelson nor Woods were in the Ryder Cup team, as far as I'm aware. Um, Shit, the bed. I hope there's it, it not some. Gl- it definitely seems like there's some changing of the guard going on, doesn't there? I mean, this is a this um, this American team. It does seem younger than than any before it, but. But they're also bloody good, you know. They, they've all won majors, and they're all just really good. Yeah. I mean, who who's not won a major there? Cantlay, Finau, Scheffler-Berger, Schofle, English. So six of their team, half their team, have won majors. That's actually quite stark, isn't it? When you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, and of the Europeans, Lowry's won a major. Uh, Rahm's won a major, McElroy's a major, Sergio's a major. Yeah, that's it. So that's interesting, but thankfully the Ryder Cup is not a major, so um, mm. we will have to keep our eyes and ears well and truly peeled at Whistling Straits in a couple of weeks' time. And we're going to try and cover as much as we can. Any news that we will that we is worth debating, we'll add our two penneth and no doubt get shot down by anybody who listens to us because everybody listening to us knows we just talk a load of bollocks anyway. So that's absolutely fine. So thank you very much for listening. And until next time, it's bye-bye for now. Adios. Watch this.